0: There is eternal life only in one being, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. If we abide faithful until the end, until we breathe our last breath, we will live forever. Immortality is within our grasp through the Lord. What does the world offer you? Pleasure, possessions, fame, power, but any and all of those things are temporary. They will all pass. Everything that Satan and this world offers will all go away someday, and it may happen sooner than you think. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about suffering for righteousness' sake. I think we can all agree that no one likes suffering for anything. Yet we know that this world is full of suffering and hardship because of sin, either for the sins we commit or because of other people's sins. But what happens when a person suffers for doing what is right and pleasing before God? God tells us in his word that this will happen and that it may even be necessary. But we are also told that there will be eternal reward if we endure and abide faithfully in him. Today's message is inspired on Psalm chapter 69, verses one through 21. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Blessing and honor and glory be to you. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Blessed are you, O Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your son. Thank you, O Lord, for his sacrifice. Thank you for what you did through him. I pray, O Lord, that you please forgive our sins. Please have mercy on us, O God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your guidance. But Lord God, I pray also that you give us an open heart and a clear understanding, O Lord, and a willingness to be able to take in your word. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you may speak to our hearts and to our minds through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today's key passage reading is in the book of Psalms, chapter 69, verses 1 to 21. This is the word of the Lord. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully. Though I have stolen nothing, I must restore it. O God, you know my foolishness and my sins are not hidden from you. Let not those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel. Because for your sake I have borne reproach, shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. Because zeal for your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. I also made sackcloth my garment. I became a byword to them. Those who sit in the gate speak against me, and I am the song of the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, in the acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of your mercy. Hear me in the truth of your salvation. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up. And let not the pit shut its mouth on me. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies and do not hide your face from your servant for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw near to my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. You know my reproach, my shame, and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before you. Reproach has broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. This is a psalm written by King David, and as many times David did, he wrote psalms based on his life experiences to reflect and call upon the Lord in his times of trouble. This was one of the ways that he opened up to the Lord to show what he was going through and what he was feeling at the time. In this particular instance, David is talking about a very difficult and trying time in his life and that he is suffering unjustly. Many people are inflicting some sort of agonizing pain on him that is undeserved and therefore unjustified, and he is calling on God to help him to see his circumstance and to free him from it. He describes his circumstance as if he were drowning and that there is nothing he can do about it. It's a situation that is completely out of his control. And to make matters worse, he has been forced to write a situation that was never wrong to begin with, where he says that though I've stolen nothing, I still must restore it. Isn't that a very hard position to be in? To add insult to injury, not only are there many people making life extremely difficult for him, but they are forcing him to somehow fix things that he never broke per se. This is far from any kind of concept of justice. And to add to that already unjust and terrible moment, everyone is turning their back on him even his family and loved ones. There is absolutely nothing going right. He is in a terrible and painful situation. He is being forced to right a wrong he never committed and those that are closest to him abandon him in a moment of great need. I have to say that if I had a choice, that I would not like to ever find myself in a position like this, I don't think anyone would like to endure such a thing. But we must always remember that scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and this psalm is no different. Is this really a circumstance that David is going through? Or is David explaining something else? As it typically happens in many parts of scripture, the psalmist starts talking about his own life experience, but there is a transition into something that does not reflect his own situation anymore, but rather it becomes something prophetic. He starts writing about something that will happen in the future. We can tell that his experience more or less ends when he is talking about his foolishness and sins to God. And then he transitions into something else because he is relating things that didn't happen to him physically. The passage somehow ends, although the chapter of the psalm does not, when it says that they gave him gall for food and vinegar to deal with his thirst. There was only one person that went through something like that physically that we know of, and that was Jesus Christ on the cross. David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was actually writing about the Messiah when what he would go through, what Jesus Christ would experience on the cross. David prophesied approximately a thousand years before what the Lord Jesus Christ would live through in his worst moments here on earth. This is exactly what the Lord went through right before dying. What did Jesus go through? If we read the passage carefully, we see that this story is being told quite clearly. The Lord was judged and sentenced for no wrongdoing. His crimes were being the Son of God, talking about God's kingdom, speaking the truth, and doing things to help people that were never done in history. He fed the hungry, freed the prisoner, healed countless people, raised the dead, and so many more things, all things to demonstrate who he was and is. Those were the supposed wrongs that he did. And rather than people following him and praising him for who he was and for what he did, they arrested him like a criminal. And they sentenced him to die in the worst way that any person could ever die. And all of his closest relationships, for one reason or another, had abandoned him. His carnal family was nowhere to be found. His disciples, even though they promised that they would never leave him, they fled when he was arrested. After being beaten, scourged, tortured, mocked, spit on, and crowned with thorns, they made him carry the cross where they would later nail his body to. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us about the Messiah, the suffering servant, and what he would go through where it says, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. And we like sheep have gone stray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as the sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, and made intercession for the transgressors. He was made into a spectacle for all to see as he hung on the cross for hours. These were all of the things that Jesus went through for us, for you and for me. And the greatest pain that Jesus went through was when he took on all of our sins and the presence of the Father went away from him. There was a moment when Jesus was completely and utterly alone. Something that had never happened in history occurred at the cross. He was not one with the Father anymore. Jesus faced the greatest loneliness anyone could ever experience. In Matthew chapter 27, we see this written. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? This was said for our benefit so we could understand what was happening. The father could not be with Jesus at that moment. Jesus himself became the offering for all of our sins, for every wrong and evil you and I have ever committed. But for that to happen, the father needed to leave him. The father cannot see sin. Jesus bore this all alone, all by himself. He paid for sins that he never committed. He paid for the world's sins, past, present, and future. Is there anything fair about what happened to Christ? Can there be any justification? Quite frankly, no. The Lord suffered the greatest injustice, but he did it all for love. The Father sentenced him to this incredibly cruel and painful event because God chose to love us. And the Lord did this because he loves the Father and because he does everything the Father says. Love allowed for the greatest injustice to happen. Jesus went through the horror because the Father in his great and immeasurable love saw each one of us in our lost state without any hope. He took pity on us. He displayed the greatest mercy that could ever be had on anyone. This is why God is good and there is none like him. This is why it is a great and unjustifiable sin to question God's love and to doubt what he has done for all of us. How bad and wrong is it to say that God does not love us when he has done unthinkable things for us? It appears that evil also seems fairly unlimited. And it would appear that injustice continues. Rather than people acknowledging who God is and what he has done and following him for it, They choose to judge God, to reject God, ultimately to hate God. They throw back in God's face all of his love for things that are way inferior, for money, for power, for relationships, for temporary and superficial things. Is this right? Of course not. And this will all be judged in the end. I can promise you that. Not a single person will escape God's judgment. God's love and grace does have limits. It's just not possible to require more from ultimately the most powerful being in all of the universe. God is love, but he cannot forget or put aside that he is also holy and just, and that sin must be dealt with conclusively, once and for all. He allowed for it to exist so that there could be choice, because in love there is always choice, but in the end... God will do away with sin and with Satan and with everything evil forever. God is the beginning. He is the present no matter how much people try to do away with him. And God is the everlasting future. He is the I am. I hope you're asking yourself right now, how can I escape such a judgment? The only way God's word says that we can escape such a thing is by choosing to be fair with God. And that is to learn to love him like he loved us. It's as simple as that. It's not necessarily about being religious or moral or even spiritual. It's about loving the Lord with everything we are. And that within itself bears a price. Jesus himself said this, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. When you choose to receive the Lord by repenting and turning away from all sins and making the Lord Jesus Christ the effective and literal Lord of your life, at some point, the world will confront you. There could be moments where you may need to cry out to the Lord because similar things that happened to Him could happen to you. The decision for Christ is easy because that is within our grasp. It is so simple that even a child can come to understand what needs to happen and make that decision. After all, who doesn't want to be saved? Who doesn't want to live forever? But the abiding and remaining in this faith in Christ that is required is what is difficult. Ultimately coming to that place where we start to endure suffering and pain because we choose to do that which is right. Many of the prophets of old spoke on God's behalf and they were killed because of that. Jesus Christ himself was crucified for doing the Father's will many after the Lord's time here on earth also were persecuted and died for following him faithfully. I know that this all sounds tough and it is, but at some point we too may need to suffer for righteousness sake, because again, this world is under the hold of sin and subject to the prince of darkness to Satan. But as painful as it may be, there are things we can keep in mind that can get us through these challenging times. I offer you three things that we should consider as worthy to retain our faith, no matter what happens. We must think about God's love and what He has done for us. How can we turn our back on someone so special and who has done so much for us? He made us, He created us. You and I were in His mind when we were being formed in our mother's womb. And of course, He gave his only begotten son to die for us on the cross so that we could be saved from our own sins and wrongdoings. That's the first thing. The second is this, what we have to gain by keeping this faith in Christ. There is eternal life only in one being, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. If we abide faithful until the end, until we breathe our last breath, we will live forever. Immortality is within our grasp through the Lord. What does the world offer you? Pleasure, possessions, fame, power. But any and all of those things are temporary. They will all pass. Everything that Satan and this world offers will all go away someday, and it may happen sooner than you think. So how much is your soul worth to you? Will you sell your soul for money, for sexual adventures, for passing relationships, for anarchy that is sold to you as freedom? And at last, but certainly not least. The Lord promised that he would be with us always. Even our most trying circumstance, he can be in our hearts. This is the one thing that captivated me when I made a decision for Christ. The Lord promised me that if I asked him to come into my heart, that he would be with me forever, that I would never be alone. I tell you that the worst thing that anyone could ever experience is loneliness. And of course, when suffering, When we are in Christ, even though you may have no one physically with you at a given moment, God can be with you. The presence of the Almighty is within your very being when he lives in your heart. For it is written, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, He will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. These are God's promises to us that his presence will be within us if we love the Lord. If we keep his word, he will always be with us. He will always be with you. If we weigh these things, his love and his great mercy, his eternal reward and his intimate and personal relationship with us, I would have to say, because it's what I believe, that it is more than worth it to suffer any kind of injustice for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. For everything in life, there is a price to be paid. Everything has consequences depending on our choices and actions. If we do wrong, there will be different kinds of consequences associated with our wrongs. Even when we think we get away with things, our wrongs will come back to haunt us in one way or another, especially if we don't repent and convert from them with all of our hearts. And because we live in a sinful world, even when we do what is right and pleasing to God, we may still endure consequences and very hard ones. It sounds unfair, or it may not even make sense from a human perspective we may need to face dire consequences when choosing to do that which is right before the eyes of God. That is the trouble with sin. And that is why God hates sin. And that is a practical reason for why we should hate sin too. Because it is unfair in one way or another to you and to everyone around you. Jesus warned us about things like that. Where he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There is a great blessing and reward when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake, but there could be suffering nonetheless, and that is what makes it hard. I won't lie to you. Many people want to have what God can offer, but they don't want to endure what is necessary, so they will fall away. They don't want to pay the price. Salvation is free through Jesus Christ, but abiding in that faith bears an inherent price, not because God wants you to suffer, but because sin is what inflicts this price on you and me. Sin is what is evil and not God. Many people get things very mixed up. Sin is what brings about suffering, Sin is what makes it difficult to do that which is right. Sin is what inflicts pain and heartache, even when doing that which is right and pleasing before the Lord. And so sin is what makes everything in this life unfair. But God through Jesus Christ has given us an eternal hope, an eternal triumph through the cross, when we choose to put our lives in the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is also written, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so, there is no greater hope, no greater gift, than what God offers to those that genuinely choose to love Him. The world cannot give you anything like this, not even close. There is no life in sin and Satan, no matter how much they try to sell you their lies. I challenge you to make a decision to love the Lord and to follow Him all of your days, because his reward is true, just as it is written. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Blessed are you, O Lord God, forever and ever. Thank you, O Lord, for your love. Thank you, O Lord, for all the things that you have done, that you do for us, and that you promise to do for us in the future. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that sin is our true enemy and that we need to get away from it and that we need to turn to you and cling on to you because you are the only one that has life. You are the only one that can give us immortality. But Lord God, help us not to use you, but rather to value you for who you are and for what you have done. Heavenly Father, no one can ever love us the way that you do. No one can be as good as you are to us. Help us, O Lord, to treasure that and to look to return that love to you. Help us, O Lord, to learn how to love you and to follow you and to be faithful to you, Lord God. Help us to learn to value what we need to value. Lord God, I pray for every person that is listening. And if there is someone out there that has yet to make this decision to follow you, accept jesus christ into their heart i pray O lord heavenly father that you may speak to them directly lord god that they might be able to know through and through that you are lord that you are god for themselves because you have revealed yourself to them heavenly father help them to be able to see your love clearly lord god and that you are our only hope in jesus name i pray amen Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.